Welcome to Real Estate Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to where it all started. Nick Baldwin talks to top producers from all levels and brokerages in real estate about how they built the businesses they have now and achieved success through failure. Now, here's your host, Nick Baldwin. Hey everyone, it's Nick Baldwin. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Rewind. And today, I've got a pretty amazing guest. This guy defied a whole bunch of odds and he started in real estate really young at the age of 18 years old. He was an investor flipper in 2008, went through a little rough patch and basically seems like he lost everything. He broke up with his business partner. He had to get rid of his expensive Cadillac. But then Ken Pozek came back strong, uh, originally from the Detroit area. In 2016, he sold just under 39 million in 113 units, and he built his business strictly from referrals and open houses primarily. Ken recently moved to Orlando, Florida, just a few years ago where he knew pretty much nobody. And this year, he's on track for 150 units and 48 million, and he has a really small, lean team with three agents and one admin. And I just want to welcome Ken Pozek to the show. What's up, man? Thanks for being here. Dude, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Your, your story is really awesome because you've been through a lot of ups and downs. And you also moved to a brand new market where you knew no one. And you took a giant risk and you started over and you just crushed it. So I think you're perfect for this show because there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of mistakes that you made and you, you've been to the bottom and now you're back at the top. So I think uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. I'm excited, man. Yeah, happy to help. So let's get back into, let's get into it. So um, you sent me your bio and I was reading over it and uh, it looks like you were inspired by Carl, Carlton Sheets' No Money Down <laughs> at the age of 16. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that guy? You're old enough to remember Yeah, him. yeah, for sure, man. So I'm 40 and you're 34. Four, yeah. Right, so I got a little, I got a little bit of a uh, little few years on you, but because <laughs> you got your first mortgage at 17. So was that your, in, was that like your motivation? Yeah, dude. So my parents bought, you know, they, they went to some seminar and, you know, at the end they closed them. They're like, Hey, for $3,000, just put it on a credit card. You can get this set of VHS tapes and you'll be a millionaire. So my parents did that. And I don't think they ever even probably opened the VHS set. And, uh, but I can't, I like stumbled across them like late at night and I just kind of watched all 10 and just was like, wow, I could do this. So I started applying for mortgages at 17 and they kept saying, well, you have to be 18 to get a mortgage. And I was like, oh, snap. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I got 18 years old. I took my my uh, graduation money and all that good stuff and uh, was able to go get a house, no money down, flipped that bad boy, made like 20 grand, which I thought I was like, I was totally hood rich at the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it, man. That was the start of my career. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember when I first got my first commission check of $6,000. Right. And I was like, woo. You know what I mean? Like Let's that's go. the most zeros I ever saw on a check. But then again, it was only six grand, but that's awesome. So you got into it really early and you know, you started paying your dues. So between that was 2004, right? Yeah. So between 2004 and 2008, when things kind of went down the toilet, you just, did you invest in more properties? Yeah, I did like 13 houses, a, a commercial building and some other, some other properties we were flipping doing well. At the same time I became an appraiser. So sort of figuring out that. And 2008 hit and the yeah. shit hit the fan, as they say. Yeah. And you're originally from the Detroit area. So it really hit the fan here. 
It did. Yeah. I mean, we went down some areas. This is really just to, to pinpoint it. The house that I grew up in, actually in the city of Detroit, my parents sold it for like $82,000 in 04. In 08, I actually listed the house next door for 13 grand. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So some bank hired me to, to sell it. And I'm like looking at my childhood home next door, 13 grand. That's insane. So how did you get through? I'm always interested in how agents in, especially in the Midwest where things were hit really hard. How did you get through it? What did you do for money? Yeah, man. So, so you know, short story. I mean, I, I basically short sold all the houses I was holding. My wife and I had just gotten married and I was like, Hey, I've got this car. I've got, you know, we, that's all we had. So we sold our house, sold my car, and then we were living in just like this little rental, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to do because if you're flipping houses for a living and that's where you're making your money and banks are not willing to give investor loans anymore. And I had like no degree. I was pretty much, what do I do? And so I was like, Hey, real estate, everybody's getting out. So maybe it's a good time to get in. And so I just started cold calling banks and it was like pass REO, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. And I was just like, Hey, I'm in Detroit. Uh, they didn't know that I'm like some 22-year-old punk, <laughs> you know, and they're just like, hey, I've, I'm, like, I'm in Detroit, things are falling apart, you probably have REO assets, let me be your agent. And I made, you know, 30, 40 calls like that a day to different asset managers across the country. And eventually a few of them gave me a shot. Wow. You know what I, I love about you? Because I've spoken to you before, you are, you're always thinking outside the box, right? So in 2008, that was like your first full-time year, right? Yep. And you sold 42 homes and did yeah. about 4 million in volume. And then in 2009, you did 74. So like probably in the worst economic time of, of our generation, you're selling homes because you're thinking outside the box and calling banks and, and making it happen for yourself, right? Yeah, it was, uh, 2009 was like almost all REO, bank owned, short sale, that whole, that whole deal. And so I built that for a while. And um, then I, you know, 2012, things shifted again, things started getting better, REOs dried up. And I'm like, okay, now what do I do? And so I ended up moving from my kind of lower end area in Detroit to the the higher end suburbs and started uh, change my whole focus to open house and database. And I did that until we, we left in 2016. So there's a few times in your career where you basically started over or you had to refocus your business model. So yeah. you went from flipping and investing and then you went to cold calling banks and getting foreclosures uh, you know, as listings. And then when those dried up and the market improved, you had to reposition yourself because at that doing that i'm sure you didn't build much of a database right because that's all i mean reo is strictly numbers and and business right yeah it's turning it's for, unfortunately turn and burn a lot of times and, and a listing agent usually doesn't look great because you're representing the big bad bank and so you're not really building any rapport with anybody other than the asset managers who turn over every other month so yeah it got to be a little tough um, but what i was able to do is take some of the higher end reos that i had hold those open and then parlay that into like a new farm and say, Hey, I sold the house down the street. Yes, it was for the bank, but I know the neighborhood. Have you considered selling? And you start building that database. And that's kind of like what got me into um, a little bit better price point. Okay. So you were just calling the neighbors around the REOs that you were selling. Yeah, and exactly. That's kind of just how you started building your, building the database from scratch. You got it. Yep. Okay. That's super interesting. You know, a lot of, like I said before, you're thinking outside the box agents are like, well, what do I do? What do I do? And, and so like, where did you, did you get these ideas from somebody? Did you mastermind with, with REO agents or did you just 
just think really hard about what you should be doing next. <laughs> I think it was a lot of trial and error. Uh, I mean, I failed a ton of times in terms of just trying to figure this out. Uh, but I've always had a coach. I've always been in some coaching system. And through that, like the coaching is great. You know, the accountability is awesome. But meeting the people that are doing more than you, asking them how they've been successful and then implementing as quick as possible. That's really been my key, my key to success. I mean, like I, I didn't come up with the idea to start calling banks. I just looked at other REO companies or other brokers across the country. I'm like, wow, you guys are successful. How'd you do it? Well, you know, you got to know somebody, kid. I'm like, well, I don't know anybody, but I can figure it out. So nice. uh, that's kind of how, how it happened. So you mentioned coaching, right? So who, who, who have you coached with over the years? It started with Mike Ferry. Like my first year in the business, I started stroking that $1,000 check a month for one-on-one coaching. And then I switched to Tom Ferry and then Maps. Yeah. So t- Mike Ferry is, is very uh, script heavy, right? Like script oriented, just kind of old school, you know, language of sales, right? Yeah. It's all just phone prospecting. Don't spend a lot of money if at all on any kind of marketing, even to your database. It's just call, 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 get your high net income as much as possible. But at the time, like he didn't believe in teams. He was like, hire an assistant. That's the only expense you should ever have sort of thing. And so um, that was just good because I had no money at the time. Right. So I'm like, this is great. I'm paying for coaching, pay for an assistant and sell some houses. But eventually I got to the point where I don't mind calls. And yet I really love people. Um, I'm like a DI. I, lo- I thrive around, you know, being around, around people. And so, so I switched to Tom Ferry, who's more like marketing and it's like a hybrid, make your calls, do some marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Back and forth. And then I switched over to maps because I was looking for more uh, business structure at the gotcha. time. So, yeah. Yeah. Tom is really, I mean, I feel like Tom Ferry is very forward thinking in this, but he also sticks to the basics too. So I'm sure while you're learning the scripts and doing the phone prospecting, he's really like about video and, and like farming and Facebook and so on and so forth. Because I think right now in this day and age, like you really have to have, you know, a combination of, of things, right? Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, how are you going to stand out? Right. So Tom's really big in video. And so I've taken his lead, you know, he's been preaching it for a really long time. And so uh, we're going really heavy into video and it's starting to pay off. So yeah, I think you got to do a little bit of everything. Okay. So you built a team in Detroit or were you just a single agent in Detroit, maybe with an admin or do you have a full on team? Yeah, full on team. So it was uh, admin and three agents there. So same structure I have oh, here. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, interesting enough, my admin moved down to Florida uh, shortly after. Wait, seriously? Uh, yeah, she's still our admin now. So she's wow. been, my, yeah, she's our admin for like a year and a half up in Detroit. Right? And I said, hey, I'm up and moving. She's like, hey, I'm you know young. Florida sounds fun. I'm coming. I could do without nine month winters. I'll follow you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. You so, know all about the, the winners there. Oh my gosh. So tell me about the move, right? So why, why did you dismantle your team in Detroit and not, and not create an expansion in, in Orlando? Well, dude, I tried. Um, actually, I tried to like pioneer. Well, I probably wasn't the first, but I re- tried to reverse expand, essentially have keep the team going in Detroit while I started over in Orlando. And that worked for about six months. And I feel like without me being there for accountability and driving it, and I was so database heavy to begin with, people were like, trying to call me, you know, um, and so worked for about six, seven months. And we ended up shutting that down and, and kind of going to more of a referral model for Detroit and all in here in Orlando. Yeah. So I can relate to you on that because I was in New Jersey and then I moved to Michigan to be a team leader at a market center here. And I had a team in New Jersey and I, and I tried to keep my team running in New Jersey 
And I think it lasted probably about nine months or so. And they actually did better, surprisingly, without me there. I think maybe, you know, I think maybe me not being there made them feel a little bit more comfortable. And not that I'm not like comfortable to be around, but you know, like sometimes <laughs> you know, taskmaster, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I think I wasn't there for them as much as they needed, and my leadership was lacking, and so it was best to dismantle the team. But surprisingly enough, sixty percent of the business they did when I wasn't there was from my past clients and referrals and stuff. Yep. But it is. I mean, it's hard, you know. Like for me, it wasn't something that I had planned way in advance. I was offered the job, and it was in my wife's hometown, and we just up and and took it. So why did you move down there? Was it for was it for like you just wanted to change the scenery, or was there a reason for it? Yeah. So my wife and I. We we'd always thought we'd end up in Florida, you know, like we were down here two, three times a year anyways, going either to Disney or Marco Islands, a place we love. And um, we're like, hey, what we're doing really well financially. What if we bought a second house there? And then so we we until early 2016, we came down to buy a second house near Disney World because we love Disney. And uh we were in this town and uh we were sitting by the pool and my wife was like, like, man, it would be really cool if we could figure out a way to do this now, like just move here full time. I'm like, I bet you we could, like, what would that take? And so like fast forward, like four months, we had a deposit on a new house. So we're like, we're done. We're going to, we're moving. So end of 2016, we made the jump. So it was really just looking at, you know, the market was fantastic here. You know, it's really strong. Um, there's not a lot of, there's a few bigger agents, but not a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of growth happening, a lot of jobs, a lot of people moving here. And so for us, it was kind of lifestyle slash we're young enough. Let's do it. And it seems fun. So we did. Yeah. I mean, you only live once. Tell me about, you know, we, before we jumped on, you're telling me about how many agents, how many realtors there are in the state of Florida. These, there's like 80,000. Yeah. Like 80, 90,000 in the state and almost 15,000 of them are right here in the Orlando area. So a lot. That's insane. And you, and tell me the other stat, like something about a certain percent is only doing like one deal a year. Yeah. So our, our board put out a stat that last year, 70% of all the realtors in our board sold zero to one home. I'm just like, I'm just embarrassed. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> it is. It's pretty rough. And so, so it's, I mean, when you go on a listing presentation and a seller's trying to beat you up and they're like, well, the other agent was willing to do it for less. And you're like, I don't know, it's, it's clear to see mm-hmm. that the agent community is, uh, there's amazing agents here. They're, I'm not going to discount that because sure. there really are. But the, the majority of them got their license because they wanted to sell mom a new house and, mm. and they just happened into it. And so um, it's been interesting, to say the least. Yeah, wow. Okay, so you moved down to Florida. You wanted to be near Disney. I mean, I can't blame you for that. Do you have a, <laughs> you have a, a yearly pass to Disney? We do, man. Yeah, we're platinum pass. So good. Platinum I status. Might, <laughs> I might need to, borrow, I need to borrow that pass when I get down there. For sure. Okay, so what I love that you're doing, Ken, is like you you moved to a new location. You knew you didn't know anybody, right? No, just, um, just the mouse. Yeah, just Mickey really well because you visit him three times a year. Exactly. But you built your business on agent to agent referrals. And for anyone who's listening, Ken has like the best newsletter for agents. Oh man, thank you. And I just got the one that you sent out recently when you went to the Tom Ferry Summit. And you were, the picture was you at Disney. I think Mickey was in the picture with you. But you talked <laughs> yeah. about how you went to the Tom Ferry Summit and then you could click a link and download his notes, right? So for the Tom Ferry Summit. So the thing you have to understand is when you're, when you're, when you're marketing or prospecting uh, towards agents, it's all about giving them 
value, just like you're giving your customers, you want to provide these agents with education. And that's essentially what you're doing. And so when they think Orlando, they're thinking Ken. Ken's always giving me this great info. The guy knows so much, I'm going to send all my, all my business to him, right? So when you were in Detroit, let me back up for a second. Did you have that agent-to-agent business too, or did that start more heavily when you moved and you didn't have a sphere of influence? No, I wasn't getting many outside referrals outside of my database. I mean, we had a really strong database in Detroit that was sending us you know, people that already lived there, but no, not many agent-to-agent referrals at all. And so one of the things I was like, man, I'm, I'm really good at this database thing. Like I get a ton of our business from the people I know. Well, I don't have a database in Orlando, but I know a lot of realtors. Exactly. So then I started you know, teach, teaching a ton and, you know, doing podcasts and going on different places and just collecting emails. And so now I've got tens of thousands of emails of people that have opted into this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, for me, I'm just trying to provide as much value as possible. I mean, we all get the emails of like, here's our new listing or here's my open house. Like I live in Orlando, you're in Sacramento. Why are you sending me your open house invite? Uh, You know? And so, so I think that if I can provide value and stay top of mind at the same time, you know, it would work. And so it, thankfully it has, it's, it's by far our number one source. Okay. So talk about, tell me about how you collected all of these agent email addresses and phone numbers. Was it just from going to events? Do you post on Facebook? Are you in groups? You know, how, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. A little, I mean, some of it was groups. Some of it was like, Hey, if I go to this, if I teach at your market center, like when I got here, if I teach at your market center, I need you to send me your, 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 list your database of mm-hmm. agents that oh. um, that either show up to the class or whatever right and so um so is that i mean like i so i put on my facebook this is a great example but if, uh on my facebook hey i went to the tom ferry summit learned a lot about marketing if you want my notes drop your email below and i had 200 agents give me their email right and so now you go on my in my list and so That's a- i'll that's a great idea. So when you're going to teach at market centers, because I've got a bunch of uh, classes lined up in some market centers in Ohio and Kentucky, that's mm-hmm. a great idea. Like get the get the attendee list, right? Yeah, yeah, right on. I and love so, it. Okay, yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it, man. And then from there, it's just staying in touch. And so it's interesting. Like I, so I put out this. You know, every three weeks, I send it out. So roughly sixteen, eighteen times a year, uh, I send these out. And it's it's always very you know it's value driven. But the amount of people that call me and they say, hey, you don't know me, I don't know you, but Mary in my office gets your, gets your newsletter and she said, you're an awesome guy. Yeah. That happens literally every day. You know, I'll get, we get about an agent referral every day. That's pretty awesome. Okay, so uh, you moved to Orlando 2017, you did about 11 million. I mean, I, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm assuming you had a little bit of a, a nest egg in there when you moved down there, right? So you weren't like hurting for money because- No, yeah, we did okay in Detroit, so- yeah. So you had a little cushion, but you did 11 million your first year in a new location, which that in itself is, is incredible. But you just said, but you said that your net income was completely in the trash because you spent so much money on marketing, getting your, getting your name out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I moved to the new moved to the new market and I had this, we all have a bit of an ego and, and I think a lot of us are tied up into the business that we've created. And so like, oh, I built this, you know, $40 million business in Detroit. I need to hurry up as quick as I can in Orlando, regardless of what it takes. And so yeah. I was spending money on freaking everything. And, uh, I was net negative for the year. So I did like 300 grand in GCI and I 
had I blew through all of it. And so, uh, so, so, so 2000, like end of 2017, I told my wife, I'm like, this isn't working. Like, I'm just going to go back, trust in the systems that we used in Detroit that are going to work here. And for, you know, it's been fantastic. And so now we've got a fantastic, you know, ROI and, and net income from the business that we built. What did you spend your money on in 2017? It was name it, and I did it. Um, it was it was Zillow, radio, direct mail. I had two ISAs. I was like, hey, all of this stuff has to work. If I do it all for a year, at the end of the year, it should be cranking. And I was sorely mistaken. So wow. uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was an interesting exercise. So um, were you kind of having like freak like panic attacks? Heck yeah, yeah like because you're like sure. like you're, mo- you're okay. So you you're like let's move to Disney. <laughs> It's going to be magical. It's the happiest place on earth. What (laughs) could go wrong? What could go wrong? Exactly right. right. Yeah. And you're like, I am not going to make it, right? You had to have been thinking that at the end of the year or maybe halfway through. For sure. For sure I was. And so things weren't... I'm hiring agents. I'm literally showing up to teach a class. I'm like, Hey, you want to join my team? Come on, let's go. You want to join my team? Let's go. And so, and then, you know, they're not converting because they're not used to, and I'm running around like crazy trying to, you know, create some income. And, uh, and I was like, this isn't, it's not who I am. Like I've never really been the guy to spend a ton of money on marketing to begin with. So, um, yeah, we shut it all down in like the fall of 17 and, uh, and went back to what I know. Man, I don't. That's that's just kind of giving me a panic attack right now. Like, <laughs> because you know it's interesting. I, I I can relate that I moved to I moved to a new area. I mean, I moved to do something a little bit different, but I also sure. start a team here. But like, I'm on the for me, it's like okay, I'm gonna move and be a team leader of a market center. What if I get fired in like two months? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what if I just suck? Like, what if everyone hates me? What if I can't recruit? Like, you know, and I buy a house in a new state. <laughs> And like, now I don't have a job, right? Yeah, you burned the boats and now you're like, nah, uh, you yeah. gotta make it work, right? I mean, yeah, like you, you have no to. No choice. That's hilarious, that's hilarious. All right, so uh, 2018 was looking a little bit, uh, a little bit more positive. You know, you mm-hmm. closed 113 units for about 25 million uh, and you went to referrals, open houses, you were farming. At that point, because you did 11 million the year before, you were starting to have a database, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So you were kind of like in some referral business that way. Let's talk about some of your open house strategy. Were you were you doing other people's open houses or were you doing your own or a little bit of both? Yeah, it was like, it's basically... Our open our listing open houses. I was asking other agents in the office, and I'll be honest, like that was even like a. I've grown in terms of like getting rid of my ego. Like Ryan Holiday has a book, "The Ego Is the Enemy," which is like one of my new favorite books. But cool. um, you know, I'm like having to go to agents and ask them, "Hey, can I hold your house open?" Like I that was kind of humbling for me. Like believe yeah. it. Or not. So yeah, that was pretty much those two, and then also reaching out to builders and saying like, "Hey, if you need a Saturday off, I'll hold your model open." You know, in like a hot area. And we had, I'm doing one or two of those a month. So that's a good idea because you probably did a little bit of that here into the Detroit area with all the, all the buildings and I mean, all the new construction and stuff. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I'm now or you didn't. Like, you all. should like you should like you're in Detroit yeah. now. There's not a lot of agents doing that. Like I know we're on this podcast and other people are going to hear it, but like I'm going to have to edit that part out. You and only should share, actually only share a, it with my agents. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> so call the builder and say, Hey, listen, you know, 
do you want me to just kind of go all out for you and just do yeah. this for you this weekend? That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And yeah, you know what? It's funny because when new agents say, you know, what should I do to build my business? I'm like, do I need do open houses all the time? And it is something that's looked at as like a newbie thing. Right. And so yeah. like, because you got a big business, a $40 million business in Detroit, you're probably, yeah. Like you're probably like, oh, I can't believe this. And it's like when you, it's like when you graduate high school as a senior and then you're a freshman again in the college. Right, exactly. You're starting <laughs> like nobody likes you. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm a friend of mine in Charlotte, Jay White. He's an awesome agent. He was like, dude, he goes, like, either you're going to let your ego just like eat you up and you're going to keep spending a bunch of money or you're going to suppress that and go do what you know works and you know open houses work. And I was like, yeah, shit, you're right. So, so yeah, and they do. And so they, great, great to build your database, great for now business and future business. And so it's something that's still a staple for our team now it's so funny like i always liked doing open houses yeah like like in you my know? farm like i'm doing one on saturday now like now that i'm back in the business and like i'm actually back into yeah. production like and doing well like it's, it's it doesn't seem so bad and so um, i'm doing it to build our farm you know just because the more buyers you meet that come in most of them are sellers somewhere in the farm and so um yeah it's been good i mean really open houses are what you make of them you know like you mm, have yeah. to have you have to have a, pr- a procedure like when i was selling in jersey like you know we would go all out and we'd invite the neighbors and we'd door knock and we'd make the phone calls and we send out the invitations and you know we would do a neighbors only open house for an hour before the public and we'd get like a dozen neighbors in there and we would start chatting them up because they all have houses to sell yep or the houses that they own and then we'd have like 70 or 80 people uh, from the general public come in and that's a, that's huge right yeah yeah the cool or, thing or would is- you rather like call cold call and like a bunch of people you've never met in person and not ever get their emails no like that what you just extra- described is like somebody should be doing that every single weekend and you'll have a huge business well well the statistic from national association of realtors is 78 percent of uh, buyers or and sellers work with the very first agent they meet. Like if you're inviting the neighborhood, you're the first agent they're meeting. Yeah, that's and so huge... here's what agents have to realize: when you list a home, you can then take that whole street on the journey of that house. If the Absolutely. if the neighborhood is a quick selling neighborhood, you invite them in. Right, they just listed. They see the open house. Then it goes under contract like that weekend. Let them all know, and then it sells. For like over ask, let them all know. I'm like, wow, this guy is a freaking superhero. You just showed everybody what you did. And now they're like, oh crap, this is what my home is worth. And that continues the relationship. People need to think outside the box. Yeah, 100%. I agree. We need to school them, Ken. Come on. So we're doing, man. This is what yeah, the podcast right is all now. about. Exactly. So talk about, I mean, I just told you my open house strategy, but like, what's yours? Is it a little bit different? What do you typically do and how do you do it? You know? Yeah, I mean, so we, um, obviously choosing the house, I think is one of the most important pieces of the whole thing, right? So choosing one that you're going to be able to drive traffic to something that's not stale on the market, something that's in a price point that's moving so that you're actually going to get traffic to come. Uh, All of that is very important to us. And so um, choosing that house is important. So then from there, we door knock around the down around the house. So like, say we're doing it on Saturday, we're door knock on Thursday, invite everybody in the in the neighborhood. Hey, it's cool to be a nosy neighbor. It's totally cool. Mm, We love it. We love nosy neighbors. And then the day of, um, we're just putting out, you know, 30, 40 signs, driving them back. Our open house signs are kind of cool. They're customized to say like, you know, funny sayings like, hey, you're almost home, come this way. And like a bunch of different stuff to sort of make it stand out. And, uh, and then from there, it's the follow-up, I think is another huge piece. Like mm-hmm. we follow up the same day. So we'll do open houses typically from one to four. And then we're in the car 
at five o'clock making those calls back. Hey, it was great to meet you. Just wanted to follow up with you, make sure I had the right contact information. What'd you think of the house? Can I get some feedback for the seller so that they you're, you're getting caught in the act of being a good agent, which is also important in all of this. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it, man. And then from there, it's just putting them into your system and, and making sure you're, you're uh, providing value long-term. One of the things that we would do, and maybe you do it too, I'm not sure, but we would actually ask for the physical address. We don't use a like a, an iPad sign-in sheet just because or an iPad sign-in app because it's interesting. People forget how to use iPads when you want them to sign in on one. They're like, what is this? What is this? New, I don't even thing. know. Ah. Yeah, because it's a new app they've never used. With, so they get frustrated. I screw it. They're like, screw it, right? Yeah. What we do is on a piece of paper, name, email, phone number, physical address. Are you working with an agent? Yes or no. Yeah. And so people are like, oh, how do you get physical addresses? Easy. You just fill out the first two with like your mom and like your cousin's information. Yeah, yeah. And then it's kind of like second nature. They just, they just see it and they just fill out everything. Nobody wants to be the first. Yeah. But if they see that two other people before them did it, you're going to get their physical addresses. And then you send them thank you cards the next day. Boom. Yeah, I believe it. And then, yeah, the amount of people actually sending handwritten thank you notes are again, like that's a dying art. We love it. We send out, we try to do four or five a day, Mm -hmm. uh, each, every person on our office in our, in our team. But yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Or if they're walking in and they're not willing to give you your address, you're like, Oh, well, where do you live? And then if you've got their name, like you can figure out where they live. It's not the art. So, yeah. So, uh, all right, cool, cool. So, uh, okay. So you built, you're starting to build your team down in Florida. Um, you have one admin, three agents. You said your admin moved down from Detroit with you, which is pretty awesome. And tell me the hiring process with that. Everybody has like a really, difficult time hiring. And that's like, I'm, I'm the worst at it. Yeah. So do you do your own hiring? Like what's the process you go through? Do you do career visioning? You know, are you giving them the KPA? What's it look like for you when you're trying to bring on people? Yeah. So for the assistant, I mean, I, I ran ZipRecruiter ads. I paid for the boost. This is when ZipRecruiter just came out. And, um, and then I basically followed an abbreviated CV process or career visioning process mm. at the time. It was RSTLM. And so I went the whole process. I went, you know, three deep on the referrals or on the uh, references. Mm. And, um, you know, some of it's trial and error. It's interesting. I was talking to somebody about hiring this morning and they're like, why is hiring so hard? And I'm like, well, because we don't do it very often. Right. Like you go, you go on a listing presentation two, three times a week, you get really good at it. Mm-hmm. When you're hiring once a year or once every six months, like you don't have a lot of reps. And so you either need to practice a ton. I mean, really, that's, I think that's the answer. You got to practice a ton and do it a lot. And so for me, it was just getting a lot of people on the phone, getting a lot of McDonald's workers that getting through that oh. process. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like just you, you get these resumes in and you're like, where are you working oh, now? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I work at, work at McDonald's. Oh, you have zero, zero office experience. That's exciting. So yeah, um, <laughs> people don't read job descriptions. No, definitely not. Definitely not. No, uh, I, they're like, I would love to do this job. Are you licensed? No. No, no, no. What do you do? I make Big Macs. I mean, listen, <laughs> nothing wrong with making Big Mac. But definitely we're not. Selling, we're selling homes here. We're selling houses. So that's it. And so for the agent side, it's been all referrals. So it's been um, like, hey, who do you know that maybe has been in the business that um, could function really well in our system that I could take from making 10 grand a year to 100. And if you know anybody that's interested in that, let's meet. And so I'm trying to do coffee meetings every single week. And that seems to be working for us. Uh, you know, it's funny because um, I, th- I think I think one of the reasons why people suck at hiring uh, is because they're impatient. Mm. You know, like, I mean, I know I'm impatient. You yeah, know? I'm impatient I want, for sure. 
I'm not allowed to hire. I'm not allowed to make the decision to hire anyone for my team unless my wife talks to them first. Like I'll hire smart. everybody. I'm like, I like that person. She's like, yeah. I don't care if you are. The, you, you listen, you remember what you did last time when you hired someone just because you liked them? Yeah. Um, you having a drink with somebody is much different than them helping run your business, right? Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a long process. And, and I think a lot of agents get worried because most agents aren't really motivated. They're not hungry, right? So you might be like, I can't take this person through like four or five interviews because they're just going to get, they're not going to want to join the team. Well, yep. if they don't want to go through that process, you don't want them on the team. Probably not the right person. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And it's a long, it's a long process because it can cost you a heck of a lot more money to hire the wrong person than the right person. Oh, and so I've done have, that plenty too. <laughs> oh yeah. So you have very productive agents. We do. Um, what's their lead generation look like? The last time we talked and we had you on the Lab Code Agents webinar, a lot of your lead generation is actually calling agents in other states, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what I'm pretty much responsible for. Like that's my follow-up. And so if somebody liked a post or signed up on an email or whatever, we're sending handwritten cards. We're trying to get into their life a little bit, provide a little bit more value and stay top of mind. My agents are typically in follow-up mode. So they're just, they're following up on the realtor.com or the Zillow leads that came in from our listings or their, their open house leads that have come through. They're pretty much just doing follow-up. They need to, they're in the office a minimum of three days a week okay. uh, doing that with us. And so we did five for ever. Um, and so my whole thing is I just, I, I hold the standard of closings more than I do the top of funnel, if you will. And so, mm -hmm. so yeah, they're in our office three days a week doing follow-up minimum and they have to do an open house at minimum twice a month. Do they have to make a certain amount of contacts a day or write a certain amount of contracts a month or go on a certain amount of appointments? Is there a standard in, in that sense? It's just two closings a month. That's all we're really tracking. And so if they're not hitting it, then there's another systematic issue. It's you're not writing enough contracts or going on enough appointments or making enough calls. Mm -hmm. And so let me follow that back up the tree to figure out where your, your kink in your chain is. I've got this, my top guy, he'll sell 50 homes this year. Wow. And yeah, and he's going to make a ton of money. My, my man only does follow up and he's just very, very good. And so I'm not going to police him. Mm -hmm. If he's selling four or five homes a month, I'm not going to police him on, you know, how many calls did he make okay. today? Right. So that's just, it. that's the way I do it. Anyway. So, okay. Gotcha. So it's like, if they're not selling two homes a month, then clearly, you know, they're either not doing the follow-up or they are, and something's not working. They might, maybe they're not saying the right thing or mm -hmm. something along those lines. Right. You have to kind of like dig deeper into it. Yeah. It's almost always a scripting issue, right? It's like, you know, if you're not setting the appointment, it's a scripting issue. If you're going on the appointment and you're not getting the sale, it's a scripting issue. So, mm -hmm. and so yeah, we work with those guys really well. And, and so thankfully everybody on the team always hits the the two. I mean, there's a very rare instance when someone throws up a goose egg. Hey, so uh, tell me about, because this podcast, we talk about a lot of different things. We talk about beginnings, we talk about obstacles, we talk about mistakes. And it's really just about the evolution of an agent. So I want to know, like, what's probably like the biggest, what's the biggest mistake? Well, I know that in 2017, you know, you made a $300,000 mistake by spending all your money. But other than <laughs> that, you know, what's a, what's a really big, what's a really big mistake that you've made or a failure that happened to you that only made you better and taught you some really good lessons? Um, man, it was, it was partly, you know, when my business partner and I parted ways to paint you a quick picture, like so I was a Detroit kid, didn't come for money. Then all of a sudden I had money and it was like, do you, you know, 
trust whomever, do whatever to, you know, make some money. And so that was a really, you know, putting your trust in the wrong people, hiring the wrong people, investing in the wrong things, uh, taught me a lot. And so, uh, for me coming through that whole process of having everything and then losing it again, you really discover who you are. And so for me, that just was like, I know that I take, I know what it takes to be successful and that's consistency and hard work. And that's really it, you know, like whether I'm in Detroit or I'm here in Orlando, if I work hard and I'm consistent with everything that I'm doing, I'll succeed. And so, um, from that failure, that was my biggest lesson that I took from it. Love it. Okay, cool. So, all right. So you have a big business, 150 units, you're going to head for 48 million. When agents hear that, right? They're like, oh man, he must be just working all the time, but you have a wife, you have kids, two kids. Three kids now. Three yeah. kids. Three kids. We're popping them out, man. Oh my god! How many? How many is a boys, girls? What is it? I got a. Uh, my oldest is my son, uh, Jackie's ten, and then I've got Emerson and Charlotte, cool. seven and two. So you have a two-year-old girl. I do. Oh man, you better yeah. polish that shotgun. You know it, man. <laughs> you got a little baby girl, but luckily. She's got a big brother. I mean, he's 10. That's right. He, and he's, he likes to look out for sister for sure. That's awesome. Okay. So tell me about how you balance this big business with the family. Do you go home at the same time every night? You know, are you very structured? Are you all in on the weekends? You know, what's that look like for you? So Sunday, I, I pretty much never work on Sunday. It's my family day. We try to hit Disney or a beach or some sort of event that's going on in Orlando. And I typically do like an open house or one appointment on Saturday and that's mm. it. So I'm not working a full day. Uh, and then during the week, it's pretty much, um, you know, 830 to 630 uh, every okay. day. Cool. Yeah, not terrible. Stuff. And uh, that's good. That's a nice balance. Or some people will argue that there's no such thing as a balance, more like a counterbalance or work-life integration or whatever you want to call it. But what do you think? You know, do you believe in anything like that? Or are you just like one or the other? Like you said, you take Sundays off completely and maybe have a sh- abbreviated day on Saturday. But which, which, which one of the most of those spectrums do you think you're on? I like the counterbalance. I mean, I think Seth Campbell said that Gary said that before, and they're a lot smarter than I am. So I'm going to follow that. Uh, So for me, for me, it's like, I'm just always striving for balance via that, like, hey, this doesn't feel right. Like, if if I don't feel super close to my seven year old daughter, and I don't feel like I know enough what's going on Mm -hmm. in her life, then I need to take her on a date. And you know, it's time Uh, or my son, Uh, my wife and I, we try to get as much time as we can. But if something is drifting, then great, I'm going to not take that listing appointment, give it to one of my agents so I can take my wife on a on a date. And so I think that if you're just constantly in that, that state of counterbalance, then I think you're doing okay. That's awesome. All right, real quick, I want to ask you um, two more questions. One, is we know what you're sending to agents, right? In terms of database and getting referrals, you're providing them with value and notes and information. What are you touching your clients with on a, on a weekly basis? Yeah. So it's uh, we've got like a, when you add in client parties and all the other stuff, it's about a 70 touch program that we've put together. Okay. And so every week they get an email from me. And so like it's always video content. Mm-hmm. If I don't have anything that I shot, then I'll shoot what I call this week in Orlando, where it's just like, you know, hey, this is Ken Posick. We're talking about three things that are happening here in Orlando in under three minutes. Let's get into it. And I shoot it right on my laptop. It's like super easy. I talk about three events going on and I shoot that out, right? And so it's always... It's always, it's consistent every single Wednesday. Like it went out this morning at eight o'clock in the morning, boom, and they hit their inbox. And it was this week, it was, I do a new segment I'm calling Guess the Price. I don't know if you saw me post that this morning. And so it's like, hey, I, I took my, my videographer out 
and we went to three different houses. I'm like, okay, you're going to guess the price. It's A, B, or C. What do you think it is? And so it's good. That gets good engagement. And so what I try to make it is like value. It's kind of entertainment, uh, but it's not just all about like, hey, if you want to know what your house is worth, click here, uh, because I think that stuff gets old. So that's what we're sending out uh, every single week. So they get that, you know, 50 times a year, and then we're doing um, handwritten notes and two client parties. Uh, around those client parties, we're doing calls and follow-ups through that. So it gets us to about that, that 70 mark. So I lied before. I actually have two more questions now because as you were talking, it made me think of something. When you moved to Orlando, I remember you telling me that you, like, you did everything you could to research Orlando, just kind of know it, right? Like you Googled and looked at maps and went on websites and just drove around and got to know the area. And you... Do you you started doing videos, kind of like when you just first got there, and you you if you watched them, you would think as the viewer that you had grew up in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's super important to just right off the bat solidify yourself. You know, they say fake it till you make it. You were basically faking the fact that you didn't just move there, right, and let you know yeah. everything. Right. Yeah, for sure. Tell us about tell us about that strategy, and then I have one last follow up question. <laughs> so, um, so I actually just started taking my phone around with uh, with an Osmo DJI Osmo gimbal. Right. So I throw my phone on the gimbal, hit record, and I walk around new construction neighborhoods. Like there's like one out of three houses in Orlando is new construction right now. It's insane what the growth is happening. So I go to a new neighborhood, go to a new city. I, I walk around the new models, and I'm asking the salespeople, "Hey, so um, tell me about your traffic." How are prices? Are you selling a lot of houses? What's moving? What's not moving? And I'm recording all of this, right? I'm walking through models and I throw it up on YouTube. And through that, people start Googling different model homes. And believe it or not, I get a ton of calls from YouTube now. And so, but through that, so I'm, I'm creating content. I'm learning about the areas. I'm building a database of builder reps. And so it was a really great trifecta. And it's something that I still do even today. That's, that's awesome. So before you mentioned a book, uh, what was it? Cause I feel like it was kind of a throwaway comment. What was that book? Uh, Ryan holidays. Ego is the ego is the enemy. Ego yeah. is the enemy. Okay. So I was gonna ask you like, other than that, like, what other, what other, what are you reading now? Or what do you recommend that you've read recently or just in general? Uh, so I'm a huge Ryan Holiday fan. So if you haven't read The Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy, and then he just he's relaunching a new book, I think next week, a couple weeks from now called Stillness is Key. I'm stoked about that. Uh, but it's all about like stoicism and sort of like removing yourself from the from the equation and really focusing on your goals. It's good stuff. So that's those are he's he's my favorite author. Um, right now, my team and I were going through Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, former FBI negotiator. Yeah, Very I heard good. about that guy. Very good book. So yeah, that's what I'm on. That's what's top of mind right now. Awesome. I'm reading Objections, The Art and Science of Getting Past No by Jeb Blount, the guy who wrote Fanatical Prospecting. Yeah, yeah. Is it's it good? a good one, man. That's it's awesome. Really, yeah. I'll like if, to add that to my list. Yeah. For, for, uh, so like, I'm not much of like a cold caller. So Fanatical Prospecting was like not really one of my favorites, but mm -hmm. I'm hand, we're handling objections all the time, whether it be a cold call or a warm call. And now that I'm a team leader, I'm handling agent objections as mm. like in terms of why they don't want to switch companies. Sure. But there's, it's, there's so much good stuff in there, man. I would definitely highly recommend getting that one. Sweet. Hey, listen, so if you are listening and you enjoyed Ken, do me a favor whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google, you know, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, if there's a button to subscribe or download, just click that button so you can listen to Ken on the go. 
and uh, leave them a review. Like, tell us down below what you thought of this webinar, and if you got any gold nuggets, and give him a five star rating so he so he uh, so he feels happy and feels like people like him. People like you, Ken. You don't need five stars to feel vindicated. I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes you do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Ken, because you probably have every agent's phone number in America uh, and their email address, how can they reach you if they want to send you business, if they want to get some gold nuggets or be added to your database? Uh, where can they find you? Uh, best is just to email me. So it's Ken at posetgroup.com. My last name is P-O-Z-E-K. Not all the other ways you think it's spelled. Yeah. And he uh, he's in Orlando and he uh, goes to Disney World a lot and... I'm a little jealous. We're going to come down to Disney and hang out. When I come down there, dude, we're, we're going to have to go to hang out with Mickey together. I would love that. <laughs> Ken, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. And we'll see you next week, or you'll listen to us next week on Real Estate Rewind. Hope you like this week's show. Feel free to share it with anyone looking to improve their career and their bottom line as a real estate agent. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are posted. Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. Real Estate Unwound.